The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. And they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. The Jericho Network on Westwood One. Okay, people, tomorrow morning, 10 a.m., Santa's coming to town. Oh, my God! Santa here? I know him. I know him. (laughs) Merry Christmas. Or is it, yeah, oh, yeah. Merry Kissmas! People! That's what we got today. We're talking all about Kiss because Santa has filled our stockings with some killer rock and roll conversation. Uh, talking all about Kiss. You want some more? With myself, Fozzie drummer Frank Fonsere, Fozzie guitar player Rich Ward, and the drummer from Luke Bryan's band, Kent Slucher, who are huge, huge KISS fans. The three of us, the four of us, spent this whole podcast trying to convert Rich to the KISS camp. Uh, this happened actually before the KISS cruise, and I can honestly tell you that Rich is now part of the KISS army, completely 100%. But beforehand, as he grew up, as you'll hear, he wasn't. So it's Frank, Chris, and Kent versus Rich talking all about KISS on this Merry Kissmas. Hope you guys get everything you wanted from Santa Claus. Hope you got everything you wanted from... Uh, from me for, for over the last year with Talk is Jericho. We're getting even bigger, rolling hard, getting bigger and better guests, doing bigger and better shows, and that's all thanks to you. Now, thanks to you for listening, and thanks to you for subscribing on iTunes if you haven't, because subscribing helps us so much, helps me so much, and the five-star ratings and comments that you leave help Talk is Jericho even more. So please take a minute to support this show by subscribing at iTunes and leaving us a five-star rating if you think we deserve one i think we do i think i I work my ass off to uh, bring you five star shows every episode not all of them are five stars but some that i uh, expected wouldn't be are some i expected would be aren't but i work hard every single time to bring you the best guests and the best shows that i can so give me a five star rating and leave some comments okay i love to hear your feedback fire away say everything you want to say let the world know how much you love talk is jericho now if you're looking for a uh, for a new year's resolution or maybe trying to decide what to spend some of that christmas cash on let me make a suggestion that can literally change your life change mine Get yourself DDP Yoga, okay? Diamond Dallas Page's DDP Yoga program changed my life. It actually saved both my wrestling and music careers. I've told you so many times about it, but even better. Now, DDP has just introduced his brand new app, 
All right, it's DDPY now. That's the name of the app. Uh, living a healthier lifestyle and getting in better shape just got a whole lot easier and a whole lot more convenient. If you want to see the power of DDP Yoga, just go to ddpyoga.com slash Jericho and check out Jared's video. Okay, his story is unbelievable. He lost 313 pounds in 17 months. That is un- that's, that's crazy. That's, that's uncanny. He documented it in pictures and with journal entries, and then he put all that together in a video okay ddp yoga changed his life and it can change yours as well just download the ddpy now app and give it a shot this app has everything you need it's got exclusive live workouts with diamond dallas page from the ddp yoga performance center it's got an expanding archive of workouts for you to choose from it's got nutrition guides recipes live cooking shows everything you need to get in the best shape of your life and the app has bluetooth heart rate monitor compatibility and detailed interactive fitness tracking to keep you motivated to reach your goals. You can even earn points within the app to redeem for special awards. Dallas, once again, has thought of everything. He's ahead of the curb. Uh, he's uh, taken things uh, even further than he has before to get you in the best shape of your life once again. And of course, you can get the DDPY Now app for iPhones, Androids, and on the web. Uh, if you buy the DDP Yoga program, though, at ddpyoga.com slash Jericho, you'll get, get this, three free months of the DDPY Now app. Three free months of this app. What are you waiting for? Go to ddpyoga.com slash Jericho now. Take advantage of this great offer. It's a great Christmas gift for somebody in your life who needs to get in better shape. DDP Yoga has changed tens of thousands of lives, including mine. This is not just a corporate shill. This is not just me reading words off a page. I can tell you beyond a shadow of a doubt, 100% legit, this has changed my life and made me a better person in this day and age. You can join me. You can get in the shape of your life. DDP yoga.com slash Jericho and get started today. Go do it now. I got one night to spend with you and I'm going to make you scream. <laughs> the following program is a podcast.com production. He's a world champion wrestler, best selling author, actor, and lead singer of Fozzie. Now, now he's rocking the podcast world. Ragile. It must be Italian. This, this, this is Talk is Jericho. Talk is Jericho. Starring Chris Jericho. Welcome to Talk is Jericho. It's the pot of thunder and rock and roll. Merry Christmas. Uh, the People's Podcast has arrived. The remedy for boredom is here. And even though it's Christmas, it's still Friday. <laughs> All right, and on this Friday, on this Christmas, I want to tell you Merry Christmas as we're talking all about Kiss, and it starts now. God gave rock and roll to you! All right, we are here in uh, Nashville, uh, upstairs in the cannery, the famous uh, uh, venue, and we are going to have the first inaugural Kiss cast with major Kiss fans. We've got uh, uh, Frank Fonseray, drummer of Fozzie, he's here. We've got a Luke, uh, Luke Bryan drummer, Kent Slucher. Yes. I never actually asked you how you pronounce your last name. It's actually, you're the closest person ever, uh, Slucher. Slucher. You, you couldn't be much closer. Yeah. All right, Slucher. Okay, Kent Slucher is here, big, big KISS fans. But then, the other side of the coin, growing up, is not so much of a KISS fan. The, uh, the rock snob Rich Ward is with us. <laughs> rock snob Rich Ward checking in for duty, sir. So we, we came up with this idea because uh, Frank and I and Kent are all really big KISS fans. There's a lot of um, 
uh, info and detail and trivia and a lot of stuff that gets passed around whenever we talk. Uh, how old were you, Frank, when you first remember seeing Kiss or hearing about Kiss? Uh, I remember seeing Kiss for the first time on Halloween night of nineteen seventy. With Paul Lind, Paul Lind Halloween special. That was yeah. that was my introduction. Yes, and and nobody knew that Paul Lind was gay. <laughs> That's the funny thing. You'd have to be pretty dense not to know it. But so yeah. what, what did you think when you saw this? Like when you see these four guys, changed my life. You know. But in what way? Why? Uh, just it was one of those things. You know, I was a little kid and I had gone trick or treating, and I came home and I was digging into my bag of candy in front of the TV, uh, flipping through the three channels that were available, and I came across Paul Lynn's Halloween special, and that looked interesting. And um, I think I might have heard of Kiss, but didn't really know what they were about. Because that know? was early on, 1975, right? It was 76. 76. It was, Octo- it was Halloween 76. And I, luckily, I turned it on, like, right before, you know, they were coming on. And it was, ladies and gentlemen, Kiss, you know. That kind of <laughs> and uh, they, uh, they had the set, and they came down, like, in this elevator and came out of the elevator and, and started playing Detroit Rock City. And I was just, like, I was just mesmerized you know it was just like nothing i'd ever seen i mean i was just in a, I, I, they just cast a spell and i was hooked you know wasn't margaret hamilton on that the, yeah, the, the wicked witch of the west from yes, wizard of oz yeah. yeah and witchy yeah. poo from the uh witchy poo from h&r stuff. stuff. Yeah. i remember that show oh yeah. boy so kent uh yes, what about your first kiss experience that mine, you can recall mine was more of a uh a sonic uh type introduction i remember being three years old and my cousin had their records and i remember listening to um actually my first introduction musically was alive too mm-hmm. and uh it just it blew me away even at that age i remember wearing my my mother and father and my aunt and uncle out listening to it and i remember opening up of course the alive two record and seeing the end you know that the, was the, the thing you the open up that gatefold bigger than life mm-hmm. yeah. and it's the coolest picture of like all the flames and the fire and the yeah. stairs and the yeah. platforms you just open that up it was go, massive ah. i said yeah. that that was bigger than life and it took took me by storm, literally. I mean, all like, these years later, if you've never seen that gatefold, if you showed it to somebody now, they would right. go, "Wow, yeah. Yeah, there's, exactly. there's pyro not like that today." Yeah, uh, yeah you know, totally. For, now, Rich, what about your fa- first uh, kiss memory? Okay, so if you can remember <laughs> that far back, oh, I definitely can. My, my cells are well intact. Um, <laughs> so here's my kiss story. I went to a school that was one of those charter schools that my we got. Um, you know, we were on the, the kind of lottery system to see if we could get in. It was like a traditional school, just reading, writing, and arithmetic. But the, the, the catch was your parents had to drive you to school because buses wouldn't bus all the way to that school. So we carpooled with this girl. Her name was Monica Munn. And she had dark hair, and she was the most beautiful girl I had ever seen. And I was in third grade. <laughs> now, Monica Munn was obsessed with Kiss, and I had never heard of Kiss because my exposure to music was... The Grease soundtrack, Saturday Night Fever, like I was into the music that my parents exposed me to, which was all G-rated. You know, right, it was right, always right. like funneled to me like Gordon Lightfoot, you know, like. Which music, is all great stuff. Of course but, it yeah, was. But, but yeah. there, it was, I, everything was sieved out that was dangerous for me at that point. <laughs> and Monica Munn had a KISS newsletter that she used to print herself. She was obsessed with KISS. Wow. She had all the dolls. We used to bring the records to school. And I loved Monica. So, so my first crush ever, 
in third grade, and because she loved Kiss, I shunned them because <laughs> they took all of her attention and all of her Ooh. love and praise. It all comes it, out. I yes. never knew this. And, I never knew it. And it's so funny because I told this story in like a little, uh, like a little blog post a few years ago on the internet, and she contacted me. She lives in Germany. And, and she goes, because I basically, one of the lines I said that she was so annoying uh, about her love for Kiss that it drove me away from them at an early age. And she, her only line back was, I, I did a Google search and saw my name came up. Was I that annoying? And it's like, <laughs> no, no, you don't understand. The mind of a third grader, you know, who has this crush on this girl who thinks Paul Stanley is the only thing in the world. Right. So. So that was my first exposure to That's Kiss. That's awesome. It was amazing, yeah. And that kind of warped your uh, your your opinion about Kiss right off the bat. It did until the '80s, when when all of us were like sibs for everything rock mm-hmm. and metal. Mm-hmm. And this was when Lick It Up came out, and that was a big hit on the radio. And and I bought, I saw Kiss on the Lick It Up tour. I saw Kiss on Animalized tour, and I thought Kiss is one of the greatest bands ever in that era because that was I was 12, 13, right, right. whatever and that was my age of I love Crocus I love Helix I love you loved all those bands yeah. anything right. like, and Kiss was like one of the best of all of the bands of that era See, and for me that's when I got into Kiss was 80s Kiss because I used to hang out with Colin and Craig Swanston they were a couple years older than me even Colin babysat me a few times and I was a big Beatles freak but uh, they, Colin more specifically, was a huge Kiss freak. So whenever we'd go over for Dungeons and Dragons, they'd be talking about Kiss. I'd be talking about the Beatles. And I remember seeing the cover of Alive 2, which you talked about, with Gene Simmons just sitting. It looks like a big, fat, bloated worm with like this blood coming out. And I was like, that's just stupid. Like, sweaty. Like, that's dumb. I, you know, I was into Paul McCartney with the bowl cut and like early 60s Beatles, too. I didn't like hippie Beatles because they had beards and mustaches. <laughs> So I didn't really dig Kiss because they just looked different from what I liked, which was this clean-cut band. Meanwhile, I'm sure the Beatles were probably one of the worst bands ever as far as drugs and alcohol and banging groupies and stuff. And, of course, (laughs) Kiss is completely directed from the Beatles. But I didn't catch into Kiss until the 80s when I finally made the, uh, the switch and saw Heavens on Fire and thought, well, these guys look much cooler without the makeup. And that fat, bloated guy's not in the band anymore, not realizing <laughs> that Gene was the guy. Right. You What's know? funny is, is he was skinny as a rail back then when you say you saw the yeah. picture where he's fat and bloated. He just looked that way in the picture, though, yeah, right? With the blue light on his face and yeah, stuff. Yeah, just the, the expression. And everything. Yeah. And that was because he was also a normal weight where in the 70s everyone was, like, on cocaine and they were <laughs> yeah. So coked out clean, skinny. Yeah. That's right. Everyone looked like Rod Stewart or and had no legs. It looks like stilts. Yeah. So Frank, I mean, we always laugh about about how you can remember everything. Tell us about some of like what you were saw Kiss on the Paul Lynn show. Right. Then where did it go from there? Where you became like a massive Kiss freak? Um, I saw him on the Paul Lynn show and I freaked out. And my mom saw me freak out and she made the mistake of indulging. Uh, me uh, in that the next day as a surprise she saw them on the cover of a hit parader magazine and bought it for me and brought it home and you know I was just bouncing off the walls I thought it was the greatest (laughs) thing ever and I remember her face when she gave me that magazine how I reacted she kind of had buyer's remorse like oh god what have I done (laughs) created a monster yeah Yeah. I've created a monster and um, and so from there, you know, I read all the magazines I could, you know, anything I saw with them on it. And I remember it wasn't but maybe a year and a couple of months later that they actually came to town because uh, subsequently, I remember now that I had seen a full page ad in a newspaper for they played Atlanta Stadium 
in August of 76. And I remember seeing that ad because I, I remember now that I'd kind of heard of Kiss and I just saw this weird picture of this weird group and, mm-hmm. you know, and um, it hadn't clicked for me then until I actually saw them on TV. And so the next time they came to town was December 30th, 1977, and that was my first concert. <laughs> Can you be more exact? Unbelievable. At uh, yeah. 7 p.m.? I who, can probably even remember what yeah, who opened? I was sitting. Do you remember who opened? <laughs> who was the opening band? Um, the opening band was Piper, which was Billy Squire's band. <laughs> Billy Squire wow, was the lead singer for a band called Piper. Billy Squire sings over. The Stroke and everybody wants some. He blew the keyboard player before the show. <laughs> so uh, I, uh, was in, I was in elementary school, and I had a good friend in elementary school named Michael Zalvis, who was the only other kid in our class who was into Kiss. We were both obsessed with them. And when I found out they were coming, and my mom bought tickets, and the tickets were seven fifty. Wow. They were seven dollars and fifty cents, and to see Kiss uh, to see and Kiss Piper and Piper at the Omni uh, in Atlanta. And my mom and dad took the two of us, and we sat there. My mom on one side, my dad on the other. He and I in the middle. Just you know. so, what can you like? Everybody remembers certain things about those moments. Like, mm. what specific memories do you have of that show? Um, I remember it was the first time I'd ever been in a big crowd, for one thing, mm-hmm. and. It was scary because I was a little kid, and these were all, you know, right? You know, now they just look like scraggly teenagers, but they were these giant people. Right, they're teenagers. Denim, yeah, they're teenagers. Teenagers. So they're yeah. these giant, tall people in denim jackets and bell bottoms and long, scraggly hair and beards and walking around. I mean, you know, basically a, a, a attendance of a concert in this day and age. Exactly. Right. Yeah, it's all come back around. Yeah. And, you know, sold out arena. And like I said, I'd never been in a crowd like that before. And I'm this little kid with my little poster board that I used a magic oh, you made a sign? to make my sign. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> what did and, the sign say? Uh, oh, God. Uh, kiss, oh. probably. Yeah. <laughs> Piper. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, uh, and it was the first time I'd ever been in an arena. And I think the thing I remember the most was, first of all, it was before you could, it was when you could smoke in an arena. So literally, like, the top 20 feet of the ceiling was just a cloud of smoke drifting mm-hmm. up and collecting in the ceiling. Probably a lot of weed smoke, oh, too. Oh, yeah, yeah, a lot of weed. And uh, people oh, throw... yeah. The one thing that was really struck me was, here's this arena full of people, and we walked in, and there were probably 30 or 40 Frisbees flying through the air. Oh, people yeah, I remember people used to stuff. throw Frisbees at concerts. I remember yeah, that. Beach yeah. balls, too, was Beach a big balls, one. Beach balls, Frisbees, rolls of toilet paper. I mean, it's just like people <laughs> would just sit there and throw things, you know, to entertain themselves. But, but, but like harmless things, to, yeah, like it wouldn't be like they're throwing rocks or something. Right. Like well, that. some people like they. I remember that first concert between uh, between sets. Somebody came out on stage and warned the audience that if they didn't stop throwing like M80s, because people would like light firecrackers and M80s and things like that and throw them. Oh boy! And, wow, the seventies. Yeah, the seventies, man. And um, somebody had said, if you know, if if it doesn't stop, you know, the show won't go on. Mm-hmm. You know. And um, just just stuff like that. I mean, I miss that whole kind of atmosphere of just that, that was, kind of it, craziness and chaos. And, and not just know? for Kiss, for, for concerts for back anybody, then. It yeah. was an event. Like, you'd go and, like, is everyone going to the show? And then you'd meet, like, at the 7, take the bus down together, oh. and everyone would go hang out. And you had to have money to buy your merch. And another thing, too, is you had to get there on time mm-hmm. to see Piper. Yeah, exactly. Like, now people just show up for, you know, the headlining band. But then right. you wanted to see everybody. Absolutely. Right. You know, did, did, did you read the same? Oh, absolutely, yeah. I remember... Um, it was 83, I saw uh, Night Ranger opened up for Kiss on the Creatures Tour. And I, oddly enough, became friends with Kelly Kagey, the drummer. drummer from Night Ranger, down the line, and he told me a story about that tour, how Kiss fans hated Night Ranger. 
and he was telling me, speaking of people throwing things on stage, he told me Jack Blades was down on the ground doing the Jack Blades thing, just rocking out. And he said this loud noise happened right next to him, and he looked over, and there was a spike ball, like a metal, big metal spike ball that landed up on stage and went into the stage. Like a nail bomb or something? I don't know what it was. No, it was like this, just this big metal. Like a medieval. Like a medieval-looking <laughs> ball. Well, let's go ahead for the Dungeons & Dragons uh, freaks. That would be a flail or, oh, would, or well, thank a, you ma- a mace. A mace. Yeah. mace or Indeed. Some, someone was, um, just missed him. Apparently, by not far at all, and it would have killed him had it hit him How in the head. How much do you have to hate an opening band and want to kill them? That's terrible. You know, who, who yeah. brings a mace? To he told a me that. <laughs> and and any you band, like, you can still rock in America. How can you hate that? <laughs> that you right. know what? And yeah, they were supporting their first. Yeah, the and, and he and that, played guitar for Ozzy for the extra. Brad Gillis, going yeah. to Metal Hell bonus. That's points. right. That's right. You know, it, it's funny though. We, we talked about how the, the, those days used to be like that with the big event and Kiss concerts were always an event because they did something that no one had ever done before. But can you imagine how it must have been for them? And you probably even guys know stories. And if you if you do tell. Uh, how it was when they first started. People must have been laughing oh, yeah. at how stupid this was. Like these guys wearing clown costumes and mm. big boots, and nobody had ever seen anything like that before. And that and that's kind of what made them so huge and so popular. Yeah, yeah. Well, the, that was kind of it for me too. Going back, um, is it secretly when? I wanted to find out what Monica Munn's obsession was about. <laughs> so she let me borrow, and I can't remember the name of the album. What was the one with the live, the four live pictures on the, co- on the cover? That's a live two. Okay, a live two. So I borrowed a live two, and I remember, like, Gene's picture on that cover is so evil looking. Yeah, That's what like, I'm talking about, the bloated the worm. big worm with the blood and just sweat and just looks so evil. And then I played it, and the record really wasn't scary. It was like like really cool rock and roll and it wasn't scary at all and i i happy thought, in some yeah in and some i ways. thought there was like a real disconnect from my kids vision of how dark and sinister this band looked and then their music wasn't which is why i guess there was such a backlash you know from like the church and parents they were looking at the band and not listening because the right. band was just a good right. rock a, and a roll party it was band, the next you know, evolution yeah. of the rolling stones mm-hmm. and and yet if you looked at gene simmons the parents didn't want you. That's why my parents look one look at the poster. No, 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 not right. my kid. You know, right. Dan Fogelberg for you. <laughs> yeah, I, I remember I, the rumors that Kiss standing for knights and Satan's Satan service. Yeah, or, or kings and Satan service. Or, yeah. Oh, whatever it was. Whatever it was. Yeah, I used to, you know, I had Kiss posters all over my walls. I had the classic huge, like, double-sized poster from, like, the Alive era. And, um, and I used to have friends come over, and they would see my walls and just be in shock and be like, my parents would kill me if I tried to put a poster like that on my oh, wall. Yeah. And I could never understand that, you know? It's like, because my parents were real live and let live. They didn't care. Mom you know, was very all, supportive as yeah, well. They yeah, they didn't care. You know, they didn't get it, but, you know, yeah. they didn't think anything of it. Chris? Did, did your parents push back on some rock music and stuff? Well, the thing for me is, don't forget, I was the parents' dream kid because I loved the Beatles. I didn't care about any other band but the Beatles until I was probably 11 or 12. And then I remember when, when I bought Number of the Beast, my, my mom asked me a question, like, what is this? And I said, well, it's just a dream. You know, 666, the Number of the Beast, it's, it's a dream that a guy has about, you know, the satanic cult. But she never cared when I liked the Beatles because it's the Beatles, squeaky clean. Or the worst, you know, of course, they're all on acid and stuff, but that <laughs> didn't matter. But, but the whole kiss thing, I think, it freaked parents out because they had seen it before mm. you know and you had these guys uh, another thing about kiss too that i think was really interesting is they they modeled themselves after the beatles 
and they're the only band that I can think of to this day where there was four distinct characters, mm-hmm. and you knew them all: John Paul, George, Ringo, mm. uh, you know, Paul, Gene, Ace, and Peter. You could yeah, almost really kind of say that, the yeah. same for Queen to a degree. Oh, you I know? disagree. No one knows who the hell John Deacon is, except for if you're a fan of his if short you're a choices. Fan. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes, but if you even if you're not a fan of Kiss the Beatles, you know no, the four yeah. faces. You know Absolutely, the character yeah. too. The yeah, characters, yeah. right? And John Deacon wasn't a, a, a prevalent voice on the records exactly. either. Like That's another point. Ace yeah. and Peter were like voices yeah. on the yeah. record, right? Everybody Even Roger sings. Taylor. You heard Roger yeah. Taylor, the harmonies and stuff. Right, right. So, but he yeah. kiss everybody sang. Right. Yeah. That's exactly. why I said to some degree. Not right, of course. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Once again, I'm right and you're wrong. Right. So anyways. Um... <laughs> the longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. How about from a drumming standpoint, Frank? Was Peter Chris uh, an influence on you? Were you wanting to be a drummer that young? Um, you know, it's funny, um, cause when I first saw Kiss and I first, um, you know, they first attracted me, I was always kind of a Paul guy and, and actually like Paul and Ace were my two favorite members. And so my first thing I wanted was a guitar and I got a guitar for, I believe either my birthday or Christmas or something. And I just, I didn't take to it. It might've been my teacher too. I had this like old man teacher who like, um, was really a purist and really kind of an old kind of jazz. Play your scales. Guy. Yeah. Oh, dude. He used to tell me, he would say, you've got to build up calluses on your fingers. So I would be like, he would teach me a chord and I'd put my fingers on the strings to, to you know, uh, fret this chord. And he would be like, you got to really press down. And he would take his thumb and like push it on my <laughs> yeah. fingers and like press it down on the string to where I was going, ah! <laughs> You know, and I'm like, this is supposed to be fun. And he had like a Google eye. He had like a glass eye that would roll around. Oh my God, it's like the the girl Carrie's father that left the house. Yes, exactly. I mean, dude. And what you don't know what happened is that he used to play in a rock band and a string broke and poked out his eye. So you could never (laughs) play rock and roll. You got to wear your wellies if you're going to play a guitar. Yeah, so I mean, I just didn't didn't relate to this guy at all. And I was like, this isn't any fun. And... um, Seeing that poster that I was talking about, seeing Peter sitting behind this huge drum kit, it almost looked like he was sitting behind like the console of a spaceship or something, oh, you know, yeah. like like he's on the Star Trek Enterprise or something. And so that was I I gave the guitar back and asked for a drum kit, and my mom said, "Well, you didn't really take to the guitar. I don't think we'll buy a whole drum kit. We'll just buy you a drum and see how that works out." So they just bought me a snare drum and a little stand and a pair of sticks, and that was another we've created a monster moment because. You know, oh, yeah. I just took to it like crazy. Bad news was you couldn't play any Kiss songs. Good news is you played Little Drummer Boy like a mofo. Yeah. Had the one drum, yeah. But what's funny is there's pictures, and I have them at home, or my mom has them of me as a kid, sitting sitting down behind one drum, whack, playing the hell out of it with Paul's makeup on. That, so. Yeah. Which I'm yeah. sure just bothers you to this day. You can't sit behind a drum kit with Paul's makeup on, Frank. Shame on you. And backwards, because I was doing it in a mirror. Yeah. So I did it in a mirror <laughs> the, way, the way I thought. And then I, in the pictures, it's like, wait, why is it backwards? But you can't. Yeah, I, uh, I, I'm, I'm a lot like Frank. I was uh, Paul kind of uh, mesmerized me. He, just the ultimate he was the star child. Yeah, totally. the ultimate front, front man, the flamboyant, great pipes. 
that cool looking Ibanez Iceman guitar. Ah, yeah. You know, and I it's just always had cool yeah. guitars. Yeah, so, I mean, yeah, totally. yeah, I mean, you know, and but Peter, like, like as well. You know, I saw him behind this mammoth kit, and I think it just visually caught me. Mm-hmm. Because no one and, really you know, had a kit. Nobody that big had a kit that maybe, big. Right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, he was using a, a huge kit, and what's so awesome is he had one kick drum underneath it. Yeah, and it like, said kiss like on fourteen it. <laughs> toms and four cymbals in in one kick, yeah. and it was. It was yeah. bigger than life. You know? And it had Kiss and Glitter on yeah. it. Peter never played double bass, and he wasn't really much of a rock drummer, so to speak. He had more, more of, of a jazz swing, guy. Yeah, yeah, more swing of a jazz, jazz type yeah. feel to it, right? Very, he had very, kind of a Krupa type of Yeah, big Gene, Gene Krupa. Krupa. But, but yeah. the cool thing is is that, Kent, you just got to say hi to Kiss uh, in the Barclays Center. Okay. They had a, a big fashion show thing. Uh, was yeah, like for fashion, fashion Rocks. Week. Yeah, Fashion Week, yeah. And, nice. and you got to, it was Kiss and Luke Bryan. And you got to actually talk to Kiss, and you're playing bigger venues than they are. That's that's just <laughs> how funny that's was ridiculous. that? Yeah, I was like, <laughs> uh, yeah, I was, yeah, I, I don't even know what to say. To that. I was like, I was just so just taken aback. Yeah, yeah I was just say, I'm, I'll say, I'm blessed at that. You just say, yeah, we're playing uh, somewhere down the street, the Enormal Dome. Yeah, yeah. we're like playing that. at one place. What's it? Uh, Philadelphia Eagles Stadium. At uh, mid, oh, man, yeah, wow. that place. Yeah, it's, it's, were you guys playing? Hard, <laughs> It's pretty cool when you meet your childhood musical heroes and you get to tell them, yeah, if you want passes to our show, I'll hook yeah. you up. If you want passes yeah. to the stadium you know, show. Yeah. They were, they were so kind. I, I got to um, spend time with, with Eric a little bit, but I got to talk to his tech more than anybody, and they were very kind and very welcoming. And, and you actually have a, a Peter Chris uh, I do. tattoo. I've got, yeah, I've got the oh, cat wow. man. And I, I just got that, ironically, about two weeks before I went there and um, – yeah, it's it's you know. I'm, Eric I'm, made I'm, a comment. I'm, 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 that, well, uh, well, the drum tech was like, hey, "Eric, why don't you come sign his arm?" And, made, and they laughed about it and joked. And well, that's what you say. Well, it's for yeah, you. Yeah, yeah. Right? And indeed, it was actually. I'm, I'm, you know, I love Peter and what he's done, um, and I think he's amazing at the 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 book of work that he has laid out before us as Kiss fans. But you know, I'm more of a. I, I go back with Eric to Badlands and stuff like that, and with Brian May and all that stuff. And what about just, Eric Carr? How did you? Feel I about loved Eric, Carr? Eric Carr's plan. I, and you know. Live, he tended to play everything a little too fast for my liking. It, he kind of sucked the groove right out of everything. We were watching the Animalize DVD on the bus, and yeah. I looked at these guys and I said, "Oh yeah. my God!" Yeah. I mean, he is just taking it to the, the house, pocket out of everything. Yeah. He was yeah. just run- and and not only did it start fast, but it just kept going yeah. faster and yeah. faster. It was crazy. Bless his heart. Yeah, and then the, but the records, I mean, great. I mean, you know, the elder, you know, he he kind of come out and. Like who's this guy? But he really got to shine on the uh, creatures he of the some night. Real record. power back yeah. to that band because it oh, was, big in, time. The, in the mid '80s, Kiss had to switch from what Rich was saying, kind of like the fun time vibe. They still had that, but they had to get heavier because yeah. heavy metal was the thing. Yeah, you know, and they had and, to kind of keep up with that. And they, yeah, and they were like the, they had all the young guns that they were competing with at the time, exactly. and they so they uh, you could tell that they felt like we have to be the most energetic. You know, band on stage, and that naturally is going to lead to playing the songs way too exactly. Fast. Yeah, I mean, Paul was even more moved around more in that era. Than, oh yeah, it was all about ever. energy, energy, yeah. energy, energy. Well, energy. that's Paul's thing. Paul's always been a great front man. Yeah. And in always, the seventies, yeah. his vocals were cool. In the eighties, that was when he really sang. Oh, like that man. was his 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 best time frame for actual vocals. I would say. I a hundred percent agree with that. Yeah, you you were the one telling me about the. I was I was kind of complaining. I was like, oh, hot in the shade, blah, blah, blah. I was like, I'm not a big fan. He goes, go back and listen to Rise Silver to Spoon, Silver all this Spoon, stuff. King go back and listen to all this stuff. And I was like, oh, yeah. Now, Frank, you dropped out of Kiss in the 80s, though. Uh, after a little while, yeah. Because I was more of a 70s Kiss guy. And, you know, I got into... I, I probably... The last album I bought was uh, was um, Asylum. 
And no, excuse me, I bought uh, Crazy Nights, and it just did not appeal to me at all. What didn't you like about it after being such a huge Kiss fan? Um, just I felt like the I just didn't really feel like the songs were very good. They were it seemed like they were trying too hard to 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 you know be this hit maker you know this this hit band and you know they, I just felt like they'd kind of lost their way and there was other stuff that was coming up I got real into thrash at the time you know it was the late 80s and so I was totally into like you know um uh, uh, spreading the disease I thought was probably the greatest Anthrax, album ever. Yeah, I mean you know I, that's all I cared about at the time so there was a lot of they, know, kind, they kind of became followers yeah, in a they, way yeah, they had than being the leaders right yeah they had pioneered uh, so much and then they started kind of you know aping the bands that had come along in their wake you know now Richie you, you've recently you know I know you went and saw Kiss and you got into it but for, for, for years since we've been in a band together you never really dug what Kiss was doing or never really they never appealed to you what was it that you didn't like well for me there's the problem I think that I had was there is such this hero worship for 70s Kiss and because when that happened I really wasn't listening to it. Mm-hmm. So I w- when I did start listening to Kiss, I was listening to 80s Kiss, which was a little more refined because it was following what was happening in the industry where it was like playing. Musically, the, 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 they were a better band. They were a the better 80s. band. They, they, like Bruce Kulick, amazing guitar player. Yeah. The band was just a tighter band. And which like was more appealing to my palate. Mm-hmm. Like I was listening to Van Halen, and and Kiss and Van Halen were a lot alike in the eighties, and it was still loosey goosey. It wasn't like by the numbers super stiff. Right. It still had swagger and it still had groove, but at the same time, it, it there was some musicianship that was there that I really liked, and I also really liked the songs. It's funny that what Frank says, like I don't ever remember a point in my teenage years where I ever differentiated what selling out was or when somebody was making an effort and I think that was probably because I didn't have enough fans excuse me friends that were talking to me about music mm-hmm, like all you. of my consumption was based on I mean I loved Bon Jovi like I didn't re- I didn't start disliking Bon Jovi until I was out of high school and then I was old enough to say oh Guns N' Roses you know and like you started recognizing that right. it, that oh wow the only people in a Bon Jovi crowd that, uh, are girls and then you turn into tough guy and w- and w- then I started listening to Anthrax yeah, and, yeah, sure. and Metallica and stuff like that but I just spilled some water on myself nice. <laughs> but oh, and, and me too yeah sorry but I think more than anything you know the I, I think Kiss for me I, I there was some pushback because I feel like there's a disconnect between all of these amazing guys like Scott Ian and Dimebag who are getting these Ace Freely tattoos and I listen through my musician ears mm-hmm. who spends eight hours a day playing guitar and wonder why everyone hero worships this guy when you don't have a Van Halen tattoo. You don't have like, uh, you know what I mean? Like where's your David Gilmore tattoo? Where's your Billy Gibbons tattoo? Like there were so many other guys that in my mind were better players. And I think that was part of the thing was the pushback from, from me on kiss. But now I think, I think it's interrupted, but I think it's like, I remember watching the show Batman when I was a kid, 
Burt Ward and Adam West. I just thought it was the greatest show ever. And when I watch it back, it sucks. Yeah. But at the time, <laughs> I grew up with it. I worshipped it. I was it. So I'll always think that Batman was a good show. It could be that way with Ace Frehley and 70s Kiss because those guys were kids at the time and very influenced yeah. by them and by the look and by the whole flash and pomp and circumstance of it. And, you know, if you asked any of them honestly, you know, if they think he's like their, the best guitar player or their favorite, they'd probably say no. But he's the guy that made them want to play. You yes. know, he's the guy. He captured their They saw that face and that Les Paul and the, and the space cot. You know, they saw all that whole presentation and went, wow, I want to do yes. this. And he was part of the original four, the chemistry. You know, right. a lot of people, for example, bag on Ringo Starr as a drummer. Ringo's a great drummer for the Beatles. Absolutely. You know, the chemistry that he has with that band, you know. 100%. Uh, I, I know for me, I got into Kiss, like I said earlier, in the 80s when Heavens on Fire came out and Animalized. That's when I, that's when I got it because of Paul Stanley. Mm. I got into 80s Kiss first. 80s Kiss is still my favorite era. People... People drag me through the mud for saying that all the time, but that's when I got it, mm. and that's why I was a Paul guy because in the '80s, Gene was a non-factor. Right. You know, there was not a, yeah. a Gene Simmons single from "I Love It Loud" in '82 all the way until '92 with with Unholy. Mm. So that's why I always love Paul Stanley to this day because when I got into Kiss, he was the leader. He was the guy. I would look at the back of the albums. All of Paul's songs I automatically like best. All yeah. Gene's songs, I didn't like them just because they were Gene's and I didn't even hear them yet. Yeah, I could almost imagine Absolutely. that you maybe thought, why did, why did they let the bass player sing some songs? Well, I, I, knew, I knew the legend of Kiss. I wasn't, I wasn't oh, okay. stupid, but I just got an 80s Kiss and then tracked myself backwards and was pleasantly surprised at how good Gene's songs were. Like When, when he dude, cared. When he cared, like Deuce and God of Thunder and all those other ones, right? Yeah. And I saw Kiss three, four months ago. Yeah. And it was one of the best concerts I've ever seen. Mm -hmm. And the reason I think that was is that the four guys have now it's the perfect it's the perfect storm for me because it's the great tunes and it's the great stage performance and it's the great musicianship mm -hmm. because I think that I think Tommy Thayer is an excellent guitar yes, player agreed. and I think he he's like the best thing for the band because he cops all of the style and the kind of the, the greasiness of Ace Freely, but there's a, there's a little bit of tightness there. He's got the proficiency. Uh, yes, and and I think that uh, for better or worse, as you know, we can all argue what is good and what is bad in music because none of that even matters. Like it's all it's all down Subjective, to yeah. yeah. But I really thought it was an amazing concert, and I'm also starting to get a better appreciation for Gene's voice. You were impressed with Gene. I was blown away to this day his pitch and his tone and his presence as a singer and as a bass player is amazing and, oh. and it's one of those things that like you, you know as we get older as musicians and we make more records and this is true for all musicians we start to see things differently because we with every album and with every tour you it's it's a learning process unless you're just blindly out there doing drugs and not in years of living for yourself if like mm -hmm. if you're a real musician who cares about getting better it's it's all a learning process and you watch other players and you start to learn wow and i just overlooked it and i i'm to this day 
I have to say that I want to be in the Gene Simmons fan club <laughs> because it's not only that, but also he's like a, he's a very smart man. And people always say, oh, he's this greedy, you know, capitalist, this and that. No, Gene is just a smart person. Like mm-hmm. I read his his op eds that he puts in these blog posts about, hey, I'm an immigrant and I came here. And listen, if you want to do well in this country, you can. And listen to my story. I'm just saying. I'm not saying you can't be proud of your heritage, but be part of uh, America. Learn to speak the language, and if you work hard, you'll be successful. I just, I love that that grassroots, like, just you know, get your hands dirty, follow your dreams, work hard, and you'll do well. I, I, like, like I said, he can't do anything wrong in my book right now, well, and that's why he is. I think Paul and Gene, they both came. Well, Gene came over as an immigrant, and Paul had nothing as a kid. And if you read his book, he had a horrible childhood, messed up parents, and a mentally, uh, I don't know if it's sister, challenged or yeah. insane or you whatever, sister. sister. Plus, he had the horrible ear issues with the micropecia. He didn't have, he didn't have ears. Yeah. He's deaf in one ear. To be able to be a musician of his caliber and a singer of his caliber, I think that's one of the reasons why they've, they've got as far as they have and why they still want more because they didn't have anything and they were taught that yeah. from a very young age. It's great to see too because they've been recharged as a band. You know, they're, they're still wanting to do new yes. records and they're, they've got a kick, a kick in the pants with, uh, with Paul and uh, Tommy uh, being just all fresh again. And the songwriting, it's more in-house and... It's more. They're more hungry. They they're, still they're want to impress. They're a better band now with with Tommy and Eric, probably 100%. than they were even with with Bruce and Eric. Conner. I'm I'm a revenge guy. I'm revenge if you held a gun to my head, which I hope nobody does. <laughs> but uh, if that, they had to ask me what my favorite, uh, I would say revenge I is agree. my favorite record. I, I say remember. that all the time. Yeah, revenge we've talked about that. It's it's record. an amazing. And Paul's vocals are just ridiculous. You talk about Gene's vocals. Go back and although it's not a great record per se, it's a great record. Maybe not a great Kiss record. Go back to Unmask and listen to Gene's vocals on that, like on Naked City and stuff, just the, the obscure stuff, and go back and listen to his pipes, man. And that dude, on into the 80s, on, on, the, on the Crazy Nights record and on, on Hot in the Shade, all that stuff, that guy can sing, It's man. funny, too, because people always make fun of Gene going like, Ugh! but if you nah. listen to, like, Fits Like a Glove or Young and Wasted, there's some high streams that he's doing. Like on Naked City, on, on, yeah, on Unmask. It's, it's way out there, man. And we were talking on the bus uh, maybe last night or the night before, about uh, you know that melody in that verse. Oh, yeah. oh, I love it loud. Yeah. yeah, like I'm just talking about the rhythm, the melody it's over like a, top of what they're playing. It's amazing. Yeah. It's like great it's musicianship. It's almost. Yeah, it's, static, just, like, you know? it's one of those things. Like when you have a great melody and a great rhythm on top of just like laying back over some really cool chord movements mm-hmm. and. I don't know. Like again, it's one of those things that it's hard. It's hard for a young kid who, in the '80s, we were all listening to Van Halen and Steve Vai, and there was all these gunslingers. And so I think you you're looking like we you and I always talk about like Dream Theater for young kids is like the pinnacle of like this. But yeah. like, like Rush in the '70s. That's right. Yeah. But but it really comes down to Kiss and ACDC. You know, it's like just the groove, the, band, and the, the yeah. bands who understand the foundation of rock and roll and build amazing songs that can make twenty thousand people bob their head, mm-hmm. and that is a skill. Yeah, yeah. What do you and, think, Frank? And, and Gene said something once that I thought was brilliant when he talked about the gunslinger type guitar players and the guys who can, you know, play so many notes a second or whatever. He said it's almost like watching somebody type a thousand words a minute. It's impressive. 
but in the end, it doesn't really mean anything. You mm-hmm, know, mm-hmm. it's just it's like a skill. It's just it's just a skill, and it's like listening, watching anybody do anything technical to this high level. But does it speak to you? You know, does it? Yeah, mean yeah exactly. You know? Remember he said that one thing. It's like it's like it's like a, it's like a, what do you say? Angry bee. Angry. Bzzz. Yeah. 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 Shoot it. Exactly. On unmasked or something. Yeah. It was like, you know, and that's why, like, when Bruce came into the band, it was like, he had the the melodic and the great rhythm playing and the great riffs, but he could also play fast. Yeah. And but he also knew when to hold back and when not to play and when to play and, and live. There, there's even no more doubt so. that Bruce Kulick is the underrated guy in the entire Kiss cast. Well, that account. dude's a bad. Vinny Vincent is a songwriter, but Bruce Kulick as a player yeah. is very forgotten, underrated. Especially since Kiss doesn't play too many songs from the '80s in their set. Yeah, exactly. That's why I like that they played "Hide Hide Your Heart" uh, this tour because it's it's the one representation of a Bruce Kulick. Uh, era, right. great era solo. I know you're a fan of Bruce. Rich. I love him, and, and and I think that's part of that that era that's similar to the new Kiss is that Gene and Paul. It's I think they're much more effective leaders and musicians when they've got a team together where everything is 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 firing together. And anytime there's that turmoil, I think those guys. Well, you could probably look back at the history of Kiss, and any time that there's that that tension and there's mm-hmm. that just that discourse in the band, they're not making as good albums. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, you're right. I agree. Especially when you can see that when Paul and Gene were at each other's throats in the '80s, uh, you could tell that there was a lot of disconnect. And also, to Psycho Circus is like that. That record's a mess as well. When the band got together and realized they didn't really have what they did have before. Yeah. What do you guys think about uh, Eric and Tommy being in Ace and Peter's makeup uh, and kind of just being, you know, we still have the four characters on stage, but it's different people playing them. Uh, You know, honestly, it doesn't really bother me too much. I can understand why it would bother the people involved. Eddie Trunk just hates it. Really? Yeah, see, it doesn't it doesn't bother me because the you know, it's been so long and the the, you know, uh, it'd be one thing if they were trying to pass them off as you know as Peter or Ace. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Trying to fool fool yeah, everybody. Exactly. Right? It's yeah. like no, no, no. That's that's Peter back there. No, no, no. <laughs> I mean that that would be different. But it's Ed not. Cannon playing drums. Yeah. No, it's Peter. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean the way the 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 kind of the, the way they've tried to present themselves is the band, the 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 makeup, the characters, all that stuff they've always said is bigger than the people involved you know what i mean and you know gene and paul are going to step aside at some point and they're going to try to you know have there the will be an official kiss that's yes. not have that yeah after gene and paul are gone i'm sure exactly so they've always made it clear that the the myth the mythos and the and the characters and they're iconic and it's bigger than the people involved so i can understand from maybe peter and ace's perspective and certain fans perspective but it doesn't personally bother me because they're they're honest about it it's not like they're trying to pull one over on anybody you've got the cat man tattoo yes so, the so, cat man yes, yes. So tell me yeah i've got the cat man which is a which is a character which is a, a persona you know that they portray you know that doesn't mean eric singer's cat man when he's not in makeup or he's not doing his thing you know and i, I, I like frank said I, I could see from ace and peter's point of view where it definitely would be disheartening to see someone else in a in a mm-hmm. in a persona that you you know come up with but 
at the same time, you know, like you said, Kiss is an entity, and people want to see a show, and it, it, well, you know, and I me think, personally, it doesn't bother me. I, I think this too. If if it wasn't that way, there would be no Kiss right now because I don't think the four guys could get along, no. and that makes people mad. But yeah. that's the way that it is. It's the it's, way that it goes. They're yeah, they're yeah. a better band with those guys that way. And if they didn't do it, it wouldn't happen. You yeah, know, and and another thing too is that Peter and Ace sold the, those characters to Paul and Gene. Exactly. Peter sold his, and as Ace said on this very podcast, he leases his image to the band. Yeah. So once you do that, game over. Yeah, you can't complain that they use something that you've sold to them or right. that you lease to them. You know, it's like if it meant that much to you, hold on to it. No, I mean it's like, yeah, they went through financial hard times, whatever. <laughs> I don't know the story. But if it was that valuable, you don't sell it. Yeah. You, you hold on to it. And we're talking, we're, we're sitting at a table with four professional musicians who have done this the majority of our lives. And it, when you're on stage with people that you don't like, yes. you are essentially faking it with yeah. the audience. Yep. Yep. You, yes. you, and they, and you can they see know that. It. Yes. They know it. And it is disrespectful right. to everyone who buys a ticket to go up there and cash that check every night when there's no chemistry and there's not a band anymore. You're playing right. songs with people you dislike. That's right. And I won't do it anymore. So I completely understand from Gene and Paul's position. And then the argument would be, well, then don't call it Kiss and then don't do this. But listen, they spent their entire lives building a brand. And yeah. you're going to ask them to walk away from it because well, they're... Because, that's a great point, especially with Paul Stanley, yeah. who spent his entire life and in the 80s when his partner gave up. Kiss is Paul Stanley's band. End of story. Whoever Paul Stanley wants in that band that he feels is viable plays in the band. Now, you can be a purist and say, well, I just don't like the fact they're wearing uh, Ace and Peter makeup. For the Kiss brand, if I go to a show as a fan, I want to see yeah. the four guys. Yeah. I don't care if it's Tommy playing or if it's Rich Ward or if it's Kent Slusher yeah. yeah. or anybody. It's the four guys in Kiss, and that's who I want to see. And I think that's the way they've done it. And it obviously hasn't hurt them because right. they still do great business. And people know that's not Ace Fraley. And yeah. if they don't know, they don't care. Right. Yeah. And, yeah go ahead. I'm I, I was just going to say, you know, there's that there's an attitude that some people have just in general that oh, you know, some people some people just make way too much money. Okay. Well, if you pass some law that said they can't make any more than than X amount, how does that benefit you? You know. Right. So it kind of, you know, you could kind of say, all right, well, you know, Kiss shouldn't, you know, they shouldn't use Ace and Peter's characters or whatever. They should do something else. And even, you know, Ace and Peter may say that, but it doesn't benefit. How does that benefit you now? You know, it's like you still you're in the same position. You know, your position doesn't change. And in fact, it's better for you that they're keeping the legend alive. They're keeping the band alive. They're keeping the brand alive. That benefits you. It, It keeps the spotlight on you without it. That's true. You, you know? still you still have that Ace Frehley makeup or that Peter Chris right. makeup. And plus, I am happier in a world where Kiss is in it. Right. Same way that as horrible as it is that Malcolm Young can't play in ACDC mm. anymore. Yeah. Right. I'm so glad that they're going out with, with, with Stevie Young as his replacement because ACDC still exists. We can still go see ACDC and the spirit lives on. Right. right. You know, I think that's right. very important. And it's kind of a tribute to Malcolm and the body sure. of work that he's laid down. And this is you know? a tribute to Kiss, the body Absolutely. of work that they laid down Absolutely. in the 70s. I love Absolutely. what you just said. The world is better with with Kiss in yes. it. Yes. It, it is. It, it's a it is absolutely true. You couldn't have said it better. The world is better with Kiss and ACDC and ZZ Top and you know Aerosmith. We need those right. bands. Mm-hmm. We, 
it's it's a part of our upbringing and our a part of yeah. our culture. That's like right. they've done so much, and it's again when Kiss came through Atlanta, there were twenty thousand people sold out sitting yep. in there three and months ago. Unbelievable, yep. and there was. 19,999 smiles in that audience. Absolutely. And one passed out chick. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. She passed out by, like, shouted out loud. She was done. Yeah. I mean, you, you think about Elvis. Elvis passed away 37 years ago, you know? Yeah. And yet, in a way, because of the branding, because of, the, of everything behind it, he still lives on, you know, and people can All enjoy. The impersonators. What, yeah, people are able to enjoy what he's done. Would the world be yes. a better place if somebody put their foot down and said no the man's dead now everything he's done is never dead. can we see him never again. can we see him I tell in you any what, capacity when you go again, to an yeah. elvis impersonator a good one it's awesome because like going to see amazing. beatlemania right. like a exactly. good beatles tribute it's like you can't say well this isn't the real elvis i'm not going to enjoy this right. it's, it's, it's 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 the same thing or even the the michael jackson hologram they did at the grammys this mm-hmm. year mm-hmm. i mean it was really cool and i guarantee at some point there will be a michael jackson tour with a michael jackson hologram mm-hmm. and you're right. going to go and you go this yeah. is awesome i'm having my hologram made for fozzy as we speak <laughs> <laughs> oh my god just stay home and collect the, the royalties all right frank i'm going to ask you a question yes. uh, we, we we always laugh about this and I always say that you're an idiot savant. <laughs> savant, not an idiot. I was savant. waiting for you to say that. Uh, so we're talking about Kiss Meets the Phantom of the Park. Oh, and what's, boy. Obviously, it's a really funny movie if you haven't seen it. Uh, <laughs> and it's one of those ones where everybody gets one line. Like, hey, what are you doing? What's going on? Mm-hmm. Like, so there's one speech that Paul Stanley has, or actually four lines or five lines put together. Uh, and this is when the two cops are discussing something uh, at the pool, <laughs> and Paul can hear it because he's got his super hypnotic super eye, doo, 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 oh, and he man. can hear what the guys are saying. So uh, what's he saying, Star Child? Well, first of all, uh, the, the movie uh, was an NBC Saturday night movie of the week. It premiered on October 28, 1978. <laughs> Did you watch it? Oh, God, yeah. You watched I was, it live. I, oh, yeah, I was planted in front of the tv i couldn't wait his, his first masturbation yeah <laughs> what's happening in my pants Boy, was he disappointed <laughs> so uh the second was piper yeah <laughs> so of course the uh the two the two security guards working the graveyard shift are attacked by the gene simmons robot clone and so the next day they're they're gonna try to arrest him while they're sitting around the pool and the guy who owns or runs the park is trying to get the police, the park, the park to back off because they still got to do their concert because these guys bring in $200,000 a show. Uh, so, and Paul's listening in with his uh, star child eye, which is kind of like the $6 million man's eye, but he can hear through it somehow. And, <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and he says, uh, oh, wait, wait, wait. What's he saying, star child? He's <laughs> like, He's convinced you did it, but the investigation's a stroke. He just wants the guy off his back. He's sweating the possibility that we'll pull out. He's just plain sweating. <laughs> oh, dude, you just took me back. <laughs> I, 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 I could visualize the scene and the whole thing. They're in the robes and the whole deal. Yeah, sitting on giant like, yeah. lifeguard chairs wearing yeah, robes. I could not for the life of me. I remember the, the You're looking for yeah. someone, but it's not that? Kiss. What do you compute, Space Ace? Insufficient data at the moment, Star Child. <laughs> yeah. All right, James. That was James one. Yeah. I'm yeah. me, Bucko, and with a scurvy crew steaming close behind, and I do mean steaming. 
<laughs> and that wasn't even Peter Chris's voice. I know that was the the yeah. voice actor. I watched Scooby Doo with my kids, and that guy <laughs> is all over Scooby Doo. Oh, that's the Peter Chris voice. He's that's too, amazing. I think there's the one or two lines that Peter actually is his voice. Maybe two lines in the entire movie that's actually his voice. Yeah, he was completely checked out. Him and Ace both at that oh, yeah. time, weren't they? Talk about just getting a total bump steer on that movie. Like they they convinced him it was going to be something great, and it just was bad. But Paul's got the most distinctive voice ever. Oh, what, yeah. What's the Edmund Edmund Newman thing? Uh, what do you say? Like, would you make love to a woman with your makeup on? Oh, it wasn't. Uh, it wasn't Edwin Newman. It was a. Uh, it was an English thing where they were touring England for the first time, like in '75. Oh, correct the host. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> just go with him. Try to do and, improv uh, with you here. And the guy, the guy asked, you know, if the. Uh, Let me just say this was the eighth time I've given that cue over the last month, and he blows it. Every I blow time. it every time. If you could say a line without blowing it, that, that was, was a, a take. take. Um, <laughs> You know, the guy asked Paul if uh, girls, you know, if you if you uh, do it with them after the show with the makeup on, and Paul says, if they desire, <laughs> they desire. They had the total Brooklyn accent back in those days. Unbelievable. Uh, yeah, just just the the, the incredible, uh, just like the fact that the, the mainstream America always tried to pin them down and get them to talk normally, but they always right. stayed in character when they were being interviewed back in those days. Yeah, but that. That movie didn't hurt Kiss just like the uh, Star Wars Christmas special didn't hurt yeah. Star Wars. You know what I mean? It's like you're allowed at least one get-out-of-jail-free <laughs> yeah. card. What, what, was the, what was the movie with the Bee Gees? Oh, Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band. Was it that? But, well, but there was another one. Well, that one was awful, That too. one was awful, was too. Brutal. But there was another yeah. one. Peter Frampton was in that Aerosmith. Oh, yeah. Terrible, bad terrible stuff. stuff. Pretty bad. So, you know, it wasn't just Kiss. There was, everybody was kind of getting Delta. Well, Interesting hand. I'd be in a crappy movie if they paid me good, <laughs> dude. I'd do one now. They, yeah. <laughs> one of the one of the great things about you know Kiss coming up in the '70s was the fact that it wasn't the media culture and the 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 you know uh, social media culture that we have today. So seeing them on TV was just like a shock. Right. You know, you could see them in magazines and print in two dimensions, but seeing them like on the TV screen and speaking was just like. You know, hearing their speaking voices, I remember was just like, I don't know, it's just this amazing feeling. Because, well, yeah, because you never, like Rich said, you, you, they looked so evil or so space, you know, uh, supernatural, but they had normal music and normal voices. Right. And that was kind of like, wow, they actually, they're humans. They yeah. talk. You could be watching and TV and like a commercial for the Kiss dolls or the Kiss, you know, Kiss. whatever. We, no, that's that's the insane. Name. Kiss. They, they look insane. Kiss. If, if rock's your game, it's Kiss. Kiss. Get the Kiss dolls, twelve inches. <laughs> now available at Rimco for fourteen ninety five. Now from Mi- Miko. Now from After Miko. After every one of those, there was the fra- the fonts right, oh, and yeah. then and then a twenty minute refractory period. Now, I, would be, I, would, I would be like one of those Super Bowl things that you know you throw it and it just goes boing 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 off oh, every yeah, wall. Yeah. That was me. If they came on TV, oh, I geez. literally had to be like restrained. You know. <laughs> Well, I remember just recently. Franklin, when, sit down. When they did the the show from Dodger Stadium, the Psycho Circus. Uh, oh, the reunion. To the, yeah, the reunion. Well, uh, the, oh, no, they, that was the, the Halloween night. They did a, a, the, the reunion Psycho Circus. After the reunion? Yeah. yeah. The bridge? I can't remember. They did something from Dodger Stadium. I think it was the Psycho Circus thing on Halloween night. Well, that night. was it. Yeah, that oh, was yeah, the 3D. Smashing Pumpkins were opening for yes, him. Yes, Kenny Arnoff playing drums. Yeah, and that Boom. was the opening of the Psycho Circus Yeah, tour. Kenny, Kenny yeah. Arnoff played drums for the Smashing Pumpkins? Yes, he did. He played drums for everybody. I think he's actually the cat man on this tour. It was killer, too, but I remember tuning in. No, I was not. But but you could listen to the feed on the radio. Tell him how impactful that Kiss 
when they were on the MTV Music Awards. Yeah, Under the Bridge. Yeah, we were playing. Brooklyn Bridge. Yeah, that is a good story. Uh, Rich, when they made their, their announcement. Well, Rich and, I, Rich and I were playing in Stuck Mojo at the time when they actually reunited and got back together. So, like, on that tour that he and I were on, like, the news, you know, every, everybody was talking about the Kiss reunion tour. Mm-hmm. And we were playing some club, and um, they had the TVs on in the club, and they were playing the MTV Music Video Music Awards, and Kiss was on it. And they were, like, the last act, you know, and it was yeah. the thing from under the Brooklyn Bridge. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and the band that was opening for us were on stage at the time. Time, and as soon as it came on TV, everyone in the club turned away from the stage oh, and were watching, no. was watching Kiss on TV to the point where the band stopped playing. <laughs> and stopped. they stopped they in the middle of their set, the and the entire club sat there watching Kiss on the TV because it was the first time they'd been, you know, it was their big anything, coming out yeah. thing. Yeah. big of an event it was. It was like, massive. There's a live band on it, was and massive. everyone stopped and you turned. Know, yes, there's a live band packed club, and literally the band had to stop because no one was paying attention. It sounds like That's when amazing. we played the uh, gig uh, in Calgary during the Stanley Cup playoffs. <laughs> yeah, well, how do you compete with that? And then listen to this. Everyone's cheering, and Calgary's going to win. It's 4-3, to three, and with six seconds left, Vancouver scores to tie it up, and the entire crowd was like, ah, ooh. And you no. ran off stage I was pissed. So mad. Oh, <laughs> you disappear. No. We're like, is the show over? No, no. You know that was the equivalent. You know, do you know what too is like on that on that with the reunion tour? That was obviously a huge moment. But even bigger than that, another plus to the, seeing that tour was three shows. It was either two or three shows. Allison Chains opened up the, uh, those oh, shows, yeah, yeah. and I got to see the second show in Louisville, Kentucky, with Allison Chains opening up. So I got to see Lane. Wow. With Allison Chains. That's one thing with yeah. Kiss, too. They always, well, up amazing. until now, they always had really great openers of up-and-coming yeah, yeah. bands. You know, like you mentioned Allison Chains or yeah. Smashing Pumpkins. Or if you was, go to the 80s, it was Dawkins and Anthrax and uh, Night Piper Ranger, who went on to be Night huge. Ranger. Yeah. I saw Crocus. I saw... I got a rock. <laughs> <laughs> I've seen, wow. I've but seen... It was Rush and ZZ Top yeah, and Ted yeah. Nugent and Blue Oyster Cult and uh, Motley Crue. And, and Piper... So <laughs> Piper. The first time I saw him was a band called that Piper band with uh, Billy Squire, and then the second time I saw him on the Dynasty tour in '79 was a band called New England, who I haven't heard from since. Well, so you're wow. really blowing my theory out of the water. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. My, my Crocus on the Animalized tour, yeah, it was a bit of a fool. Although I thought Crocus was really good. That was they were good. Headhunter tour. That was their peak. I do have that um, one little bit of history that I saw the very first show they ever played in the United States without makeup. On the Lick wow. It Up tour, yeah, really. It was the first show they had played in Europe, and then they came back overseas. I found this out subsequently. I didn't know it at the time, but they played at the Omni, and that was the first show no of the kidding. Lick It Up tour. Yeah, and they went on like three hours late. Wow, they're probably scared. I, I can't do it. I mean, I, I remember, I remember, like the whole crowd, such as it was, was outside, like looking through, and you could see like the stage was barely even set up. I mean, it was like the door should have been open, and they were just like way behind. Oh wow! wow. Yeah. Well, you know, what's funny is that I, when when Lick It Up came out, I thought that uh, Vinnie Vincent was Ace Fraley. If you look at the cover, they kind of yeah. look the sort same. Sort of resembles him. Yeah. Kind of a little yeah. bit like Chinese eyes, same hair, same yeah. kind of look. I thought, oh, Ace Fraley, that's him. Yeah. And I said, yeah. I don't know who that guy is. And that's Paul Stanley. That's I got, I got Paul Stanley got and Gene mixed up, I think. Or no, not Gene had the tongue. Well, tongue. I obviously I'll knew look that it up. Was, but, when I saw, I when I saw Gene, um, when I saw Eric, I thought it was Paul. Yeah, I knew Gene, obviously. But but the other three, I was like, who's Yeah, it was weird. It's like, And even that in the 70s, the fact that they were able to keep their identity secret. Yeah. You know, I remember they always had like napkins or like a cream magazine. They would show like, you know, just half. 
And then Ace was a couple years later before you saw him without yeah. makeup. Yeah, I, I, like '87 before he like kind of revealed himself. I saw Ace on the um, uh, the Frehley's Comet tour. Yeah, I did too. White Lion opened back. up. White I Lion, saw that you tour. I, did you see that tour? I wow! Center, center Stage Theater, <laughs> which we just played the other day. Yep. All right, uh, final question: uh, favorite Kiss album and favorite Kiss song, and for you guys, oh. I want your fa- uh, favorite obscure one as well. But Rich, favorite Kiss album, favorite Kiss song. I'm going to go with Animalize as my favorite record. I know that's unpopular. I'm probably going to lose a tooth over it. <laughs> Scott Ian hears it. Yeah, and I love that record because that was like the record that it hit me at that time in my teenage years when I was like, and I thought that I thought the guitar playing was amazing, the, the production I loved at the time, but my favorite Kiss song to this day will always be Dr. Love. I think it hits all the check mark, bo- it, you know, checks all the That's boxes for me. Yeah. All right, Frank? Uh, favorite song would be Detroit Rock City off of uh, Destroyer. Because mm-hmm. um, I just love the extra orchestration, even though that's not really what they were about. But at that record, they, they expanded to that. But yeah, it was uh, to me, it was a perfect blend of just their brand of down and dirty mm-hmm. rock, but with those l- extra little elements. Like you can hear like the grand piano chords with the guitars in there. And I mean, yeah, and I, so I just love that song. And I think it's one of their best written songs. And I think favorite album would probably be Rock and Roll Over. Okay. Um, mm, yeah. And um, Favorite obscure song? Probably Mr. Speed off, wow. of, off of Rock and Roll Over. That's yeah. an obscure. That's a good one. Man. Totally. Kent? You know what? Um, from a drumming perspective, one of my favorite songs, my favorite record is Revenge. Yeah. I think I said that earlier. My, one of my favorite songs is obscure as well. Saint and Sinner off of uh, Creatures of the oh, Night. Wow. I think that I think that's a ridiculous song. Great, great. All, all the way to uh, there's somewhere uh, on YouTube or something you can is- get the isolated drum track. Oh wow! With Eric okay. Carr's oh, drum cool. track and it's it's his drums on Creatures. It's slamming, man. Very big and Heart of Chrome as as well off for Revenge. Heart of Chrome, yeah. The the ascending drum fill. Pretty amazing. And Paul was just ridiculous on that whole. Yeah, Revenge is my favorite. I love Heart of Chrome. I love Room Service. Yeah, that's gonna, a good one. I'm going to throw Gina Bone. I, from watching Animalize, Fits Like a Glove is a great damn tune. That's a rock They should put song. that back into the live set again. Young and Wasted. Young and Wasted. Yep. This Which, is about getting crazy and loving it. <laughs> can, I, can, I, uh, can I put my theory out there? What's your theory? My theory is... Dead Man? No. <laughs> um, you know how they Kiss was like an enormously popular band, but always hated by the critics. Right. I have a theory that if they had done exactly what they had done, except didn't wear makeup and had just dressed like the opposite of what they wanted mm-hmm. to do, it had been like four, four slobs walking on stage who needed a shave, I believe that they wouldn't have been nearly as popular, but they would have been the critics' darling. If they had done nothing different except right. they hadn't worn makeup and worn costumes, the critics would have thought they were the greatest band that ever walked the earth, but they would have had a... a, a Meteor, medium sized M- MC5. Exactly. They would have been the MC5. Exactly. Yeah, I could see that. Yeah. I, I think, I think the, the image is what captured so many imaginations and what turned a lot of people against them right off the bat and mm-hmm. probably didn't even give them a shot. I mean, we, we go through that quite often with, with Fozzie, too. Yeah. Uh, I'm sure you go with it with Luke Bryan, a lot of people who don't like country. I went to a Luke Bryan concert, yes. and it was one of the funnest shows I've ever been to in my life. I've never been yeah. to a country show because yeah. it's country. Right. It's just as much of a rock show as it's an as, arena as rock show. You're, you're rocking up there just yeah. like you know Eric Singer would be or, yeah. or Tommy Lee or whatever. Yeah. Frank, one last thing. Spotlight on you. Yes. 
I go into uh, into a into a hotel lobby, <laughs> and I got a baby <laughs> that I think is jeans. Tell me the story, Paul. What happened? What happened oh. today? At the, what happened today at the hotel? <laughs> Girl comes up to me in the hotel and she says, "I'm looking for Jean." I say, "What?" She says, "I'm looking for Jean." I say, "Jean's over there." <laughs> Oh, oh, oh shit! Excuse me, I'm trying to remember the rest of it. I'm so, drawing hey, a blank. Oh, something like us. Uh, so, she hey, said, "There's hey. the man with the tongue." Yeah. <laughs> so hey, Paul, what you doing with that pistol in your pants? <laughs> so, and she, in her arms, she's got a little baby. I'd like you to meet your little child. <laughs> boom, chip, boom, boom. And he I said, said to her, "Not only is that not his little baby, but he's <laughs> never seen you before, before in his life." life. Love it. Detroit, let me tell you something. Just between me and you, that baby had the longest <laughs> tongue I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> Animal Legitimate children jokes. Yes, we love the 80s. Frank, Thanks. you are amazing, sir. <laughs> oh, thank you. Thanks, thank guys. You. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Merry Christmas. All right. Thanks to all of you for listening on this fine day. Thanks to Fozzie drummer Frank Fonsere, uh, my partner in crime, Rich Ward, also from Fozzie, and Kent Slucher from Luke Bryan's band, pounding up the skins for the biggest name in country music. Also a huge Kiss fan, as you heard. You guys know how much I love Kiss, how much Kiss has influenced this podcast, how many of the members have been on the show. And now you guys know two more major Kiss fanatics, maybe even bigger than me, Frank and Kent. And I think we made a Kiss fanatic... uh, out of Rich Ward, like I said, being on the Kiss Cruise definitely put Rich into the Kiss Army. But this was pre-Kiss Cruise, and I think we made a pretty good uh, a pretty good case for ourselves. And that's Case with a K. Thanks again for being here. Thanks again to Amazon, the longest-running sponsor of Talk Is Jericho, and the easiest way to support the show. Just use the Talk Is Jericho links. You can find them by going to podcastone.com. Kick it on the Killer Deals button in the top right-hand corner of the page, then hitting the Talk Is Jericho button. I got Amazon links for the USA, the UK, the Canada A. Every time you use them Talk is Jericho links, Amazon kicks back a small percentage of the show to help us cover production costs. I know you did your holiday shopping. Holidays are done. Christmas is done. But you can still buy stuff. I'm sure you got lots of gift cards from Amazon or from all the different places. And you still might want to buy a couple extra uh, gifts with the money that you received. If you guys got a lot of money for Christmas rather than asking for presents, you can buy anything you want. You can do anything you want to do. Uh, go to podcastone.com. Click on the Killer Deals button in the top right-hand corner of the page. Then hit the Talk is Jericho button and uh, do what you got to do and help out this show in the process, okay? Thank you so much for being here. Don't forget to stick around to hear the 60-second AP News uh, update coming up next. But uh, other than that, uh, stay hard, stay hungry, peace, love, and hugs. I hope you guys had a great Christmas. I hope Santa brought you everything you wanted. I hope you enjoyed the show. Uh, we got a great. We're going to end off the, uh, the this year with a high note. As uh, next Wednesday, I got the Sklar Brothers. All right, funny, funny guys. Huge podcasts in their own right. They were gracious enough to invite me on their show. I'm returning the favor. Hilarious guys. Comedic twins. They got some great stories about their life being uh, comics in Hollywood, being uh, twins, uh, working with Andrew Dice Clay, and I guess he was uh, was not very nice to them. So there's some stories about that. Lots of great stuff coming up uh, on Wednesday with the Sklar Brothers. We will see you then. Once again, go enjoy the rest of your Christmas. Have a great holiday and a big yeah boy. Merry Christmas. Oh, yeah, people. Merry Christmas, yeah. Woo. Buddy Deal, what's your favorite color? You can download new episodes of Talk is Jericho every Wednesday and Friday at podcastone.com. 
That's podcastone.com. 